Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. I am very excited to have our guest. First of all, I got to tell everybody, this is September 4th, and this is a new season for Positive Talk Radio. And so a couple things are going to be happening. Number one, we're going to be doing our show every day at three o'clock Pacific time, Monday through Friday, and we'll be on the radio. We'll do be doing podcasts and this happens to be September 4th. So it's Labor Day. And uh, so this is our new season for what we're going to be doing for the balance of this year and going into next year. So uh, you can always depend on we'll be on YouTube every day at uh, um, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, every day at uh, 3 o'clock um, from 3 to 4, sometimes from 3 to 5. We'll, we'll have to see who we have and, and that kind of thing. But we're looking forward to it. It's great fun for us, us to do this and for us to be here. And I'm really excited about our guest today. Her name is uh, Aggie Jordan, and she is has written a book. And the book is called A Woman's Voice Should Be Heard. Um, which I thought they were, but apparently they're not as much as they, we've gone back a little bit of late and, uh, I, I'm glad you're here because we can talk about all the things, all the work that you've done throughout your life. And the first thing I've got to ask you is I was reading something about what it's like to be a nun, to be in a convent and the the interesting experiences that that has and you know about that because when you were 17 years old you became a nun and entered a convent because you had a strong catholic background and you grew up catholic and uh so um you know and you were a um you were a nun for eight years no Uh, i was a nun for 14. Oh, well, it says right here. Let's see. No, there's an un- oh, so, <laughs> I taught school for eight of those, though. That's okay. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Well, so so welcome to the show, by the way, and I'm glad you're here because. Oh, this is- thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. This is I- a huge topic. It's a very big topic, and it's very important. Um for men and women to understand right now about women's rights. And of course, my book is a memoir and it's a history that says how I got from being a nun to being a fighter for women's equality. And all of those battles that we went through in the last couple of decades of the previous 20th century where we thought we made great progress. And um, I fought the battles particularly for women in business so that they would be treated well in business, both women business owners who could compete fairly with other businesses for for, uh, their contracts or whatever they were after, and also for women in the industry. And we thought we made good progress. there's still some problems in business. Women CEOs are just this much of the whole uh, possibilities in industry. But 
but they're moving into it. But what's happened recently with the Supreme Court in June was so devastating to women and, and to some men because it's an attack on the family. It's an, it was that Supreme Court decision to reject Roe versus Wade and to give women the freedom for to over their own lives, over their own health, which is really what they did. They took away women's right over their own health and have infuriated doctors and just a whole, um, I can't imagine how many different groups of people they've infuriated. Oh, yeah. and, but they also gave the right to states to begin to eliminate abortion. When they did that, state legislatures, 23 state legislators voted that abortion would not be legal and they really hit it hard. I mean, they were even saying abortion, abortion is not legal for rape or incest or, or any of the abusive forms that women endure. So it was very- Including the life of the mother. Yeah, the life of the mother, thank you. What is wrong with people? What is happening in their minds when they're willing to take that right away from women? Well, and and I want to say right here, from my own personal belief from the people that I've known over my lifetime, that number one, that is in and of itself the most difficult decision that somebody is going to have to make. But they make it for what their life is like and what they know that they can handle and... Um, and so it's a difficult decision anyway. But when the state steps in, which, by the way, the state is stepping in into the healthcare system of women, then they're talking about things like um, eliminating um, birth control, and which, by the way, affects men into a great degree. And also, you know, you worked with women in uh, business, and I'm here to tell you that they still make 75 cents on the dollar. Um, That's right. For, of, of, you know, uh, in the corporate world. So if you're a guy and you're married to a woman who's working, it is in your best interest because it's in your family's best interest for her to get paid what you get paid because um, it's better for the family. And for that couple to make a decision about what they want in their family. That is exactly. not a state's right to make that decision. Correct. Or a group of legislators to make that decision well and, and you and you said it you said it best before we got on here we were talking about this very topic and and one of the things that we talked about is that state legislatures have a great um have a great sway in this um this whole concept this whole thing about about eliminating abortion and that sort of thing so if you that's where that's where the fight needs to begin is at the state legislatures and um, that is with the vote and that yes. is with the elections and women and men cannot sit back for the upcoming elections and it's been proven in some of those special elections where people who supported women's right to choose have been elected so yes. as long as we stick together 
we fight for that right. We make sure we get the vote out. That's where the key is, getting the vote out for legislators who support pro-choice. And, right. and, the, and the other issue is that we need to vote people at the local level as also the national level because uh, there's a movement afoot to also eliminate abortion nationally. And that could happen in the legislature. Um, and if the if there's a Republican in the White House that could sign that legislation, then we would then be in a situation where it's not safe for anyone. And we go back to the 1930s. It's like it's like deja vu all over again. We're now uh, women are having to go to the back alleys and and are risking their lives. Uh, for certain things, and they're and they're, it's it's a big deal, and uh, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to see that you're working on it, and, uh, and it's a huge deal for a woman to have to go to another state to have her right, and those states are low. There's only now there's 23 states that are forbidding abortion. And there are 27 states only that would allow her. Why should she have to travel from a southern state to a northern state? How is she going to afford it? And yes. what right do they have to? I'm really passionate about this, as you can tell. I can tell, but as well, <laughs> you know, as well you should be, because when we look at the the overall situation, we're looking at there are states where, if you, as an example are you get pregnant and the baby has a has problems um they're not even allowing you to have a preventative abortion for your own health and when the when the baby is either passed away or is not gonna uh be functional um they're not allowing you to do that and then that means that if the baby dies in the womb then sepsis, sepsis can occur and then the my, the mother's life is in jeopardy and it's it's just amazing to me that people can be so cruel to one another and gynecologists are very concerned about this oh i can imagine and very and on on the one hand they're very concerned about the women on the other hand they're concerned about people taking away their license yes they're concerned about people you know arresting them for doing their job Yes, and, and so this this has just opened so many doors that should have remained closed. It just has. And I know that you're working on working to with other women and other people to get the vote out so that we can because if you look at the the votes that are happening, what happened in Kansas not too long ago, and in several other states where they put up to the vote, um, should we change the abortion laws to make them more restrictive? And every, every vote, I don't believe there's been one that has said, yes, make them more restrictive. They're all being defeated yes, by even, even right. Republican-leaning states. That's right. And, and it's happened in many special elections where they've lost, you know, simply because they didn't support the woman's right to choose. It's not only the whole abortion issue, but it's also the issues that go along with that, women's right over their own bodies. 
women's right to make their own decisions. I think you probably and our readers are probably our, our listeners are probably aware that uh, this uh, Supreme Court Justice Thomas suggested that his next thing would be go to birth control. Ah, yes. And that for, and that it should be forbidden. Uh, where, what are we thinking? Well, it's interesting that you bring up Thomas because not only has he said that, but he also has been flying around the country in private jets and stuff being funded by a uh, Republican uh, billionaire and has been going to these resorts and all this. And that's really not appropriate for a Supreme Court justice to be doing, even though he they say, oh, there's nothing going on and uh, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. It certainly isn't a good look, uh, but it also is, we can't have our politicians being bought like that. The biggest problem is the fact there is no ethics rules for the Supreme Court. Yeah. And they could create their own or they could recognize, I think, that the legislature has the right, because they've done it in many different ways, the right to make those ethics rules. That's going to be a very interesting uh, encounter with, it, with between the Supreme Court and Congress, especially if Congress becomes democratic in 24. And which we, which I am one to say that it needs to be, um, it needs to turn democratic because of the, the these laws that they are that they're putting into place. But these are state legislatures as well, and these have got to be. It's got to be fixed in that respect as well. And that's where we have to get our vote out, and we've got to be very alert to um, local votes. You know, legislatures. Uh, legislative people start locally and then they go to Congress or then they go to the state assembly or or the state senate and we need to be aware of the people who are running for almost everything and what their position is including we're not. Yep. you know we're not no, we're we're not. Well, here's here's the problem, and and I love and Holly is um, Holly Berry has commented for us, and I'd like to bring it up. Uh, what's your what's your positive talk radio take home advice for? Um, what can we do to help eliminate to to do something in a positive way to affect positive change in what's going on in the country right now? For me. It's to get out the vote for and for women to get out the vote because we have to be sure that the people are voting for their rights and know what this whole election that's coming up is about because their rights will be taken away from them if they don't understand who they're voting for. They just that's, will. That's true. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that when we talk about uh, a positive way of looking at this, what I'm hoping is that because sometimes the pendulum has to swing a certain way for it to come swinging back the other way in a more positive nature. And I'm hopeful that what this will do is will help people because now it's personal. It affects people's personal lives, that they will be more 
um, educated. They'll be more interested in what's going on and uh, then be able to make some positive decisions about about uh, how they're going to vote, who they're going to vote for. Um, let's see. Holly's got another comment. Let's bring this up. And where's, okay. the best, where's the best way to educate ourselves about the topics up for a vote? Um, it varies from, from um, state to state. I know in our state, we get a voter's pamphlet that tells us what exactly uh, who who the candidates are and as best that they can determine what their positions are on different topics. But is it that way in California as well? Yes, yes, we get that. We'll get that before the election. And, and it's very thorough. It gives us a very good understanding of what people stand for. But I think we also need to get out there and listen to debates and listen to people to attend, for example, when, a, when a, somebody running for the state legislature, which we usually don't pay attention to. Right. We go to where he's going to be locally for us and listen to him and ask him questions and find out what he stands for. I mean, I'm really talking about we have to get more people involved in our elections and in the process because it's not going to happen without us out there getting people to vote. In your opinion, and I know that, you know, you've been, oh, before we get too far, I want to go back to the fact that when you were a nun. Okay. And you were a nun for 12 years. And what was it like walking into Mother Superior's office when you said, I want to leave the nunnery? What, how, what did that conversation look like? Well, I was still in graduate school. I was in my last year of graduate school. And what I did was I wrote a letter uh, to the mother general. But you're going to laugh at this. But her assistant called me. And in my letter, I had said, I would like a leave of absence because I was thinking, well, maybe I need a year to really cool, you know, and really be sure. I was sure, but I was still saying, okay, well, and then I would go back to the college and teach for them, okay? And the assistant said, why don't you just go? (laughs) I told you you were gonna laugh. It's like, gee whiz, thank you very much. (laughs) And I thought, and I said to her, okay, I will. I mean, it was just that simple. I will. And I will rewrite the letter. So it wasn't, um, it was very disheartening because I had been away for four years. And the one thing that I found at the University of Notre Dame where I lived in Lewis Hall and uh, many of the women there were nuns. And I was so enthralled with their minds, with their, uh, with their being updated with everything about them. And my community was not like that. And I found, I just found a home at Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you a story. Um, 
it was right after the Vatican Council. It was in the uh, late 60s. And a German theologian came from uh, Germany and to talk to us. And one thing he said was, men are the action makers in the church and women are the receptacles. Oh, now I'm still in my habit, right? I'm still on on. And I'm listening and I'm thinking, yeah, that's how it is in the church, right? That's what I concluded. So I leave that lecture, go back to Lewis Hall where we lived, and in the lobby is all of these women and nuns in and out of habits, led by a woman theologian, Sister Suzanne, and she, I hear this from her, and she says, how dare he? And all of a sudden, I became a new person. I became a woman's equality person. I became, I went up to talk to her, I, you know, from that moment on, I don't think he really knew that he had a whole group of women converted to women's equality with that statement in the church. Well, I, I now understand I'm not a Catholic. Uh -huh. I, okay. I would I, now I was a Lutheran, which is kind of like Catholic light um, okay. and, and stuff. But uh, it is that's how the church has always operated. It is operated by men and women are subservient to just how they used to view marriage. I don't know how they view it today. But uh, the women would be subservient to the the male dominated, um, oh, yeah. which, is, which is why women to this day cannot be priests, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. It doesn't make much sense to most people, except those guys in Rome. Well, yeah. I can't say that they're here in the U.S. too and all over. <laughs> You know, is it, is yeah. it is it because they are scared of women, or is it because I know that they've got a a uh, theological reason for it that all of Christ's disciples were supposedly male, except they they forget about Mary Magdalene uh, to a great degree, but uh, and a lot of women who followed him, and how do they know they weren't women? There weren't women that were equal to those apostles. How do they know that? They don't. No, not, none of us really know that. But they, the position of women in the church is still second class in the Catholic Church. Yes. And as long as that rule exists for no married priests, no women priests, no people who are different priests, then, and you ask the question, how, why is that? My understanding is that it stems from the Middle Ages, the actually about the 11th, the 11th century, where they had an abuse of finances. And it was families and priests. They were married up to that time. And um, they had that it just abused the whole system of finances. But to me, that's that's an excuse. You know, 
the Episcopal Church, the Lutheran Church, the you know every uh, denomination has married uh, preachers, learners, whatever, and there's no problem. Well, I I want to ask this because I've um, I haven't had a chance to talk to somebody who actually was a member in the the hierarchy of the church being a nun. And what I don't understand is um, I've interviewed several people who were abused by uh, priests in either school or at church, and and it has affected their lives to a great degree. Doesn't the Catholic Church understand that by saying, no, you can't have a girlfriend, you can't have a wife, that they're attracting a different type of individual to the priesthood? They have to understand that. They have to understand that. And for a while I was beginning, and I still do, I think, I have a little bit of hope for Pope Francis, who has made such statements, really, and believes that. They are attracting um, people they're attracting certainly pedophiles, but they're also attracting uh, only gay men. And is that is that going to help women? Right. Is that going to help uh, the counseling? Is that going to help all kinds of situations? We need gay men there too, but we need them. To, we need diversity within the within the church, and we don't have. How can a priest give guidance to a married couple that comes to them and uh, and is having marital problems and they're seeking advice from the priest? If the priest has no idea from a personal experience level of how to help that particular couple, how does how how do they help those people? I have no answer for that, Kevin. I have no answer. I think there are some priests who are trained counselors, trained psychologists, trained guidance people who do well. But and and I know people personally who have gotten support from their priest. But I, I still have that same question you have. Is it the best way to help parishioners? Yeah. Their through their struggle. It's a great struggle. It is indeed. And I hope that they will figure it out and get it, get it together and understand that this is now the 21st century and, and we need to start treating people differently. More equality would be, would be really nice. Women should be paid as, as the same as men. You, it, it, amaz it amazes me. You know, since I've been doing the show, I've learned things like women could not get their own checking account in the in, prior to the seventies. Um, that ha! <laughs> you hit something for me. My, I was starting my company, and I went for a loan, and I had contracts to support it. And they told me that I could not have the loan unless my husband signed for it. <laughs> Now, my husband was not necessarily, and there's a very interesting story in my book, and it would take too much to tell that story. But, um, you know, I finally got the loan. 
but it, it was hard work and it was an insult to me. And my husband wasn't involved in the company at all. And, and you had contracts to support the oh, yeah. loan of what you were going to get. I had a great business plan. Yep. Yep. And it was because of the good business plan that they finally gave it to me. And I fought for it. I mean, I really did. Uh, there was a law that forbid that. But in Texas, they weren't looking at that that moment <laughs> you just said the you just said the word well in texas they have a whole different way of thinking uh, down there and it's well the banks did at that moment i think they've changed but you know women shouldn't women were still chattel until 1965 yeah. in texas that's when the law was changed when you say chattel what does that mean that means that they were like animals or cows or property. It means the, property. They were possessions. And yes. Yes. And they did not own anything in Texas. And, and that's the way the... <laughs> and that was 1965. Isn't it amazing? It, it just amazes me when uh, these, these stories come out that how it is so... <sighs> We think that we are enlightened and that we're pretty smart. Well, we, we really aren't um, because we treat we treat people less than um, and they treated you less than. And, and you had a professional company and you had contracts and you were and they still treated you like a second class. Citizen. And it was a training company. I knew what I was doing, you yeah. know. <laughs> Well, by the way, we are talking with uh, uh, Aggie Jordan, and she's written the book, A Woman's Voice Should Be Heard, My Journey from the Convent to the Battle for Women's uh, Equality. And go to AggieJordan.com. You can buy the book from there. Uh, you can. It's on Amazon, and it's everywhere. And so yes, you, can, you can pick it up everywhere. And I highly suggest that you do it because you, you've – you run the gamut. You were in a very conservative habit and, and uh, um, in, in the church, and, yeah. and you had an epiphany one day that, that when he said, I can't believe, I honestly really can't believe that a priest would say that a, a uh, nun was a receptacle. How did he think that was going to go? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. But that's I what he believed. It's, it's like that's 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 gross. That's that's not even. And to say it at the University of Notre Dame, <laughs> in, in front, I'm su I'm surprised he wasn't lynched because I mean that's. <laughs> well, he caused a storm. That was for sure. <laughs> well, I maybe to put the best positive light on it, maybe that was his intention was yes. to get women to think and to, and to maybe to move the bar a little bit closer to. Oh, you are so kind. <laughs> you are so kind. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I would like to think that, but I don't necessarily believe that, but. Uh, no, I know. I know. We try to be kind. Yes, indeed. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really hopeful that uh, your, your book, by the way, when did the book come out? The book came out last November. And how's it doing? Um, I'd like it to do better. I mean, it's it's done okay. I've been on a number of radio, sh not radio shows. This is actually the first one 
I've been on, but I've been on podcasts and blogs and stuff like that, you know, but um, I really would like, the reason I wrote it is for people to understand what one has to go through to get change and particularly for women's equality. That's why I wrote the book and hopefully, hopefully that um, things might change with it, you know. I really believe that when we are, and as we get a little closer to the election and and the Roe versus Wade decision has been around for just over a year and uh, things are going to come to light as an example. When that, for that decision first happened, I heard uh, Republicans say uh, in the South that we're in the legislature, oh, don't worry about it. We are going to fix the uh, welfare system. We're going to fix the foster care system. We're going to make it so that, that any kid that is born and the mother can't take care of them or, or if they were, if the mother's an unfit mother because uh, in, 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 in many places she would be unfit and she would um, have an abortion because she couldn't take care of the baby and knew it. Maybe she was drug addicted or, or whatever. Now those babies are coming to term. And, um, and so now they've got, they're going to have health problems because their mother was perhaps on drugs and, and doing different things. And we're not For many reasons. Yeah. And we're not taking care of them. We're not, we're not building the great society to be able to take care. We're just, saying our responsibility ends with their birth. Uh, and that's, that is so wrong. That's why each of us has to be out there making our own decisions about this. We really do. And we have to be out there fighting for our rights. We can't let it go. So I say to our listeners, to our women and our men, if you want protection for your family, you're the one who has to be making the decisions about birth. Well, and it's and women's health. And know, women's health. There That's are my um, decision, you know. Yes, and you know the, the the there are some people that have always said that Planned Parenthood is a to- horrible, horrible thing. Um, but, but Planned Parenthood, over and above providing abortion services, they have provided women's health care services for women who could not afford it. And so they do it for free and they do physical exams and they take and they do education and they help people understand um, the consequences of what can happen if you have unprotected sex and and that kind of stuff. So they do a lot of really good work. And there are people in this country that want to get rid of them. I don't understand why education in the world of of sex and and human human anatomy and stuff why that is such a a bad thing for some people. Have you have you figured that part out? No, I have not. And I uh, I really feel we need to support Planned Parenthood in every way, both with our legislatures, but also personally with whatever money we have to help them out because Planned Parenthood is the way to get the message out to people about the damage that is being done. And they're and, taking that role, you know. And especially the, the people, the, the population that they serve are not the population that has medical benefits. That's that can right. go to their 
primary care and can go to their gynecologist. These women, by and large, don't have those because they can't afford them. And so they they need a company or, or a process like Planned Parenthood so that they can get the services that they need, regardless of what they are, um, and without having to break the bank or they have to make a decision of whether or not they're going to feed their, themselves and their kids or go to the doctor. And that that's never a good thing. Um, so I, I agree with you. I hope people will support Planned Parenthood and other organizations that do that, that help right. the underprivileged, the underserved, so that they can live their lives a little bit better without, and this is a thing, you know, in, in those 23 states, do you, now I, I don't know this, in those 23 states, is Planned Parenthood still around or do they all, um, are they scared to even? Many all- of them are closed. Many of them are closed because See, they had to close. Yeah. And uh, it isn't and even, yeah, go ahead. They still, uh, the ones that are existing can still, I mean, there are 27 states who are still supporting them. Okay. But there, but in those 23 states, Planned Parenthood is getting no support, you know, and they need right. it. Yeah. Well, and, and just, just to help, I don't understand this as well. Somebody needs to explain this to me. Somebody apparently is much smarter than me. But it seems to me that if you want to eliminate unwanted pregnancies, I think Bill Clinton said this. He wants, he, he said abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. And the way to make them rare is to provide education to everybody and the necessary things that prevent pregnancies so that, um, you know, my mother, God rest her soul, passed away a couple of years ago. And I made that argument to her. She was a uh, conservative Christian. And I made that argument to her that said, um, and I, I would really love your opinion on this. Um, my opinion was, uh, we need to provide education to everybody so they know how it works and also the tools to prevent it, be it a condom, be it uh, a birth control, so that they can eliminate the unwanted pregnancies. And she, her attitude was no, because then they'll just have sex wantonly and openly and everybody, you have sex everywhere and you'll have sex on the streets and you'll, and rather, and rather than understanding that the gospel, you know who Whoopi Goldberg is? Whoopi yeah. Goldberg. Yeah, sure. She says, uh, in my world, the, the, the gospel according to Whoopi is kids are going to have sex because it feels good, and they have That's sex. Right. Home. They have and, sex, and, home and they're going through all this hormonal change. Of yes. course, they're going to have sex. I mean, they, that's why they were created that way. That's what right. is wrong with people who think they're going to stop it? Well, because that was my mother's whole point was they people should not have sex until they're married. Which yeah. it's like, yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> that that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, and, and now today it's normal for people who live together before they're married. Would you know marriage is, is uh, the percentage of married people is going down yeah, because yeah. many more people are just deciding to live together rather yeah. than going and getting married. Right. There's one thing I want to say to you, and that is I am so happy you have this positive talk radio. And the reason is 
there's not enough radio shows that give forth this uh, opinion of people who support uh, liberal causes. I'll call them liberal. I think they're just normal causes. I just think they're causes that people have to, uh, we have to do it in the United States if we're going to help people. And uh, I want, I mean, I wish we had a lot more of you in this country. And so thank you for doing this. I know when somebody takes this on, it's a, it's a big challenge, but you're doing well. Thank well, you. you know, it's, it's, it is interesting because um, when you look at, I was, I was looking at uh, adding, trying to get onto more stations than the ones I'm on in Seattle. Uh-huh. And I was, and I'm looking all over the, and most of the, most of the talk radio in our country is ruled by the conservatives. Oh yeah. Um, like Sean Definitely. Hannity and uh, Bill O'Reilly and all of those guys. And so a show like mine would not fit in their demographic of the, of what they're selling because apparently being negative and creating hate, division and fear sells. It sells soap. And that's in, sad. It really that's is really it, sad because it really I, is. Uh, because another thing I struggle with is this hatred that is created between people who disagree with each other on politics. And we're not talking to one another. No. So how can we get educated if we're not discussing what's going on and what's best for the country with each other? And that's not happening. No, yeah. and that that starts at the very top. Yes, uh, yeah. When we've got uh, people that are saying that mainstream media is um, full of lies, and and there are, there are people that are out there that with the QAnon movement and all of this stuff that that aren't just conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't make any sense, and we don't. Do, we're working to. Uh, stop some of that and and to provide a place for people to go to to get the, the, some real answers um and and stuff so anyway but thank you for that i really appreciate um, really i really feel that way there's one other thing i think we need to be very concerned about and that's truth oh yeah telling the truth and not making up stories fabricating lies to get what we want. And the reason I say this is because that whole four years of Trump created a situation in this country where it's okay to lie. Mm -hmm. And I know politicians have always kind of covered the truth, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about deliberate lies to mislead not respecting truth as what is needed for people to get along. If I did, if you didn't know I was telling the truth, how could you trust me? I'm, I'm going to give you a quote, and I want you to tell me who said it. Okay, I'll do my best. Yeah, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. If you tell a lie often enough with enough force behind it sooner or later people are going to believe it who said that oh i don't know 
Sounds like Aristotle. Adolf Hitler. Woo! Really? He also propagated lies about the Jewish people, yeah. about how World War I ended, and yeah. the things that got people excited in, in a real negative way, which allowed him to be able to say whatever he wanted to say, and people believed him. And so the same, that is in the playbook that yeah. Donald Trump has used, which is tell a lie often enough the election was rigged. And it has worked. 30% to 40% of the people have believed him. Do you know, I, and I haven't said this story yet, but uh, my son had a good friend. He was, he lived in um, Auburn. I've met him several times. And he got hooked up with this group. And because he thought that he wanted to be a big shot, a big, a big, a big mucky muck of this particular group. So he became, he went to several rallies. Um, he was seen on YouTube uh, having a fist fight with a somebody from the, a differing point of view and knocked him out. And so he became, wow. he became a real big mucky muck of this particular group. This particular group's name was the Proud Boys. He went to the Capitol, and he was last week, I believe. He was he was um, sentenced to eighteen years in prison. Oh my gosh! And he grew up right around here, but he had gotten a he'd gotten involved with this group that was full of lies and he believed them and he believed the conspiracy theories and so uh then he did something really stupid and invaded the capital and uh he got uh i believe he was charged with um, um conspiracy and and several other things and and so now he is going to be and he's got a like a nine-year-old daughter and he had a wife wow. and so he's going to be spending the next 18 years in federal prison for because some politician got him to believe a lie. And that lie ended up being um, a position that was held by several right-wing groups, including the Proud Boys. And so, and, and so I don't necessarily, and I know this kid. He was an impressionable kid, and he was just in his early 20s. Um, and, um, he, but he wasn't a bad kid, but he got involved with the wrong people who were told lies. And now he gets to pay the price. He'll be in jail for the next 18 years. Oh, that is sad. It, it, it's really, and it, his, son, his son knew him as a friend. Oh, the, he was one of his best friends. I met him several times. Oh, um, his son must be broken hearted though. Oh, my, my friend, my son is broken hearted. Um, <clears throat> his wife, and it got so bad that his parents, who are business owners in the area, um, and they, they've been very, very successful, and he was going to be in their business, and he was going to inherit them, and he was going to also be very successful. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a it's sad, sad, sad uh, commentary of what can happen in, when you believe, when you don't do your own research, 
and you're believing what's on the internet you're believing what somebody's telling you and the next thing you know um you're committing a federal crime and that that Henny, by the way in my opinion he was convicted by a jury and um and and he was sentenced by a judge so it's not like it was a big conspiracy theory that that he was railroaded he did these things yeah and you and yeah. you can't and you, but he was a good kid who went bad and, and he had got so bad at one point that his parents had to sit him down and to try and straighten him out and then they had to just you know wash their hands of him because he was he had gone down this rabbit hole but yeah. he, he didn't go down the rabbit hole by himself he went down with a bunch of other people who believed some of the things that were being told and some of the lies that were being fed to them by the national leaders of some of these people. It's just, it's, it's so sad. It is just so sad. And it's not over. Not by I any think stretch. we're going to continue to get those lies and that are going to be fed to impressionable people. Oh, well, there are, there are people who honestly believe that, um, that, that Donald Trump, who's been um, accused of 91 felonies, of 91 felonies, and they are believing that it's a, um, it's a conspiracy of the, of, the, uh, of the, what do they call it, the great, or the cabal. Uh, yeah. whatever that yeah. whatever that is yeah. or the yeah. or yeah. the and and it's it's a conspiracy uh and trump has really done nothing wrong and it's like these these are grand jury people that are people like you and me that are walking up and down the street they got they got they were given um the facts and they uh came back with um um, um the verdict to indict so it's not like it's the great cabal but you see, the, the problem is that there are people who don't even understand how the jury, the grand jury system works. So they just think that, oh, they're just picking on poor Trump. No, it's, it was all done through channels. It was all done properly and, and stuff like that. So, and you think those grand juries are large. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So they've got enough people to understand what was going on. They're know, like 27 or 28. Yeah. So, so we've got so people like you and me, we have to continue to work for the betterment of mankind and mm -hmm. we can't do it by dividing. I, I really think that to get back to Roe versus Wade, I think that's going to be one of the most divisive and one of the, the things that's going to drive um, the, the, the Republican party or those who believe in that, what they're doing, talking about that that's going to that's going to harm the the party for for forever and i truly believe that that eventually though if with enough people and with you getting out there if enough people vote and and we can and the democrats control and, and have a uh, veto proof majority if the democrats can democrats can control the um the senate and the house of representatives and the white house that I think that there'll be legislations to make um, abortion legal across the country. Well, that's a big if. We got to work at it. <laughs>
Well, see, that's the thing. It, it, it's not going to happen if it, it, it's not going to happen if people sit on their ass and do nothing. Right. You've got to right. get out and vote. Yeah. And if they really dig into what's really going on, as you say, you just can't take it for granted that somebody is telling you the truth. No. And the, and the important thing is to do your own research. Yes. And to, and to really and to really look into it and not not to just take an article, but to find out who wrote the article. I, I, just real quick, I got to tell you a story before I let you go. And that is uh, um, in, in the spiritual movement, now, not necessarily a religious movement, but in spiritual movements, right. there are people that are becoming uh, national leaders of the of the spiritual movement and and things like that. If you start doing the research behind where they came from and stuff, they don't tell you. They don't tell you why or why why they are these exalted ones who know all these things and that can help you and teach you. They don't tell you uh, because it's not in their best interest to it's tell you. To let us know. Huh. You know, so. Yeah. And so we, we, we've got a long way to go. And, uh, but, but you being, being a former nun gives you, um, gives you some kudos and some credibility <laughs> and also your book, which is women should be heard. My journey from the convent to the battle for women's equality. I think that you go a long way and you're a PhD. So you're a smart lady to, to boot, and you're a business owner. And yes, not anymore. I'm no, a writer it. today. Yeah, I write. Uh, I would also like people to go into my blog on aggiejordan.com slash blog and um, follow that. So um, we're, you know, I talk about everything. My husband and I just came back from Turkey and Greece, so I'm talking about Turkey and Greece. Oh, good. You were in Istanbul. I was in Istanbul and <clears throat> Ephesus and um, all the wonderful places that we know of antiquity in Turkey. I was really pleased with Turkey. Well, that's it. I'm, gl I'm glad. I'm glad you're traveling the world and you're seeing everything. Yeah, well, I think we learned from it. I think that's the big thing about travel is learning, you know. So it was a great experience. You know? Was it hot over there? No, not it wasn't as hot as it is here. And when I can take anything over 110, uh, it wasn't near that. And but it was humid, and we don't get a lot of humidity, you know. It is amazing to me that in the last three weeks you've had. Where you are, you're in uh, the desert in California. Right. You've had temperatures of 118 degrees and a hurricane. Yes, we have. We have. But we're still living here. We like it. We enjoy it. Well, and, and good. And, and you also are environmentally friendly because you've got um, uh, solar panels. Yes, we do really work at that here in the desert. Yeah, and our community works at it quite a bit. So that's good. You know, we're trying to change the environment. I hope we do what we can, you know. And make well, what you can is all you can do, but that's just right. do the best you can. Yeah. That's right. 
So, I could talk to you forever. I can, me too. <laughs> I can talk you know, to you. Great. Well, we're going to do this again, Aggie, because uh, I, I, I want you to be on um, uh, Kixie and to talk more about this because this is, you know, in the in the grand scheme of of positive talk radio we want to um present a a you know positive subjects and positive but there are times when it's necessary to talk about real things and how, how the real things that are impacting many many people's lives so that we can make positive change and that's how i get to positive change and and positive talk is to enlighten people and to educate people on what's really going on in some cases. And so I put this on Facebook that we would be on here and that I, people could go into YouTube. Yep. And see it so they can still do that. Yep. It's, it'll be live from the moment we get off. Just, just have them go to positive talk radio and it's the YouTube channel. So just have them go to YouTube and search positive for positive talk, talk radio and then okay. make and then tell them to click the live button the live button got it <clears throat> yes and it, it's it's up there now as soon as as soon as we well it's, it's playing live now and then it'll stay up there uh for forever so oh good uh, good i will do that so thank aggie you. thank you for so much for being here i really appreciate it thank you and and aggie jordan again has been our guest go to aggiejordan.com and find out all about her and her book and uh and by the way get to get some as far as women's issues go get some education um really understand what what is going on so that um we can continue to make progress because this last thing really set set the women's movement back to a great degree um, sure did sure did thank you and I think I think it sent personally, I believe it 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 sent humanity back, because not only not only are not only are we talking about abortion, but we're also talking about foster kids and unwanted pregnancies and unwanted children that are not being taken care of. And what was it that you said about? Uh, um, was it Romania? Yeah, yeah. Tell and that they story. Grew up, they grew up and increased the crime. That's what happens. Because in this country right now, and you may not know this if you're listening to this, but 25%, 25% of the kids that graduate out of foster care are getting a high school diploma. 25%. That means 75% are not. Are not. And so many of those kids, in order to make a living, will resort to selling drugs to, or to doing drugs or both. Some of them die of overdoses, and many of them end up in prison. And Some of these never, kids have never had a hug. It's amazing, isn't it? There, yeah. there are. I, I, I know several people in my world that um, that lived in three, four, or five different foster homes in the course of their growing up years. Some of them were better than others. Some actually cared. Some of them didn't. Some of them were very abusive. So it's really hard to to become a well-adjusted adult if you've been abused and throughout your childhood. And yeah. it and we, those are some of the things that we've really got to work on. Um, and the, but they're they're all connected. They're not, it's not a separate issue. They're all connected one to the other. Right. 
I agree. So, thank Aggie, thank you so much. And uh, if you wait right there, I'll be right back. Thank you. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.